Welcome to issue 51.4 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at the most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labelled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, James, and joining me is Steve. Good morning. Mike. Hey, Jim. You know, I'm only up this early for you. <laughs> Apologies for living in the wrong time zone. And Daniel. Good morning, James. Thank you so much for coming on. And can I say that was probably the best read intro of all time? That was fantastic. Well, James, thank you for coming to Critical Encounters to join the Get Wrecked Wrecking Crew extravaganza that we've been doing. Thanks very much for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. How do people know you, James? You've got this familiar sounding voice. Indeed. So I, I am one of the hosts of the Card Game Cooperative. Um, so we are a podcast about Fantasy Flight's three co-op living card games. So Lord of the Rings, Arkham Horror and Marvel Champions. So we do some kind of focused content, you know, looking at latest heroes, new investigators. But we, we generally try and take a bit more of a of kind of an overview, you know, maybe thinking about how, how they handle story or theme or, you know, how mechanics translate from one game to another. Um, so if you particularly play more than one of the LCGs, if you think that sounds like something that might be of interest, you can find us on on most of the uh, most of your standard podcast platforms. That sounds awesome. It's a fun show. You guys all sound like uh, a bunch of friends playing at the table. It has a real uh, familiar feel. Makes me uh, feel like, oh yeah, this is kind of like me and my buddies. So I, I really enjoy your show. Well, thanks. It, you know, it, it was a bunch of us uh, sat around a table, and then COVID told us we weren't allowed in each other's houses for nine months. So that has uh, made us a bit more remote, much like everyone else. Sure. We've, uh, we've just gone back into national lockdown this week here. So we're all trying to get our head around what the rules are this week for where we can and can't go and who we can and can't see. Mm. How are people feeling with lockdown part two? <laughs> part three. Um, I think people are a bit confused, a bit fed up. Um, yeah, the... Government communication ha- has not been the clearest, um, so they'll, they'll tell you something and then they'll contradict themselves five minutes later. Um, I think people are, people are optimistic. We've now got three vaccines approved, so you know that they should be vaccinating millions of people over the next couple of months. But it's still still a long way uh, long way in the horizon before I think we'll be going back to yeah. life as normal. All right, well, hang in there. We have brought you on to do the backstory for our fourth and final villain of the Wrecking Crew. Why don't you tell us all about the origin story? Uh, which which one are you? Which one are you? Thunderball, aka Doctor Elliot Franklin. Uh, he he's the smartest uh, and clearly by far the best member of of the Wrecking Crew. You know he he wasn't just some you know common everyday criminal or thug who who got his hands on magic powers. He was he was a good man. He was a scientist, an engineer, and we get his get his origin story way back in uh, in Defenders. Uh, I think it's. I think it was episode uh, episode issue fifteen to seventeen, uh, where we see him going up against Doctor Strange and Nighthawk. Doctor Strange and Nighthawk are actually fighting Luke Cage because you know, these these so called heroes they they can't tell friend from foe, um, and they've decided that each other looks suspicious and they're fighting each other rather than guarding the building. Uh, but we learn that this this building belongs to Richmond Enterprises, which was the company that Franklin worked for. Um, Franklin was a, a genius level scientist. He, he took Bruce Banner's research on gamma technology and thought, yeah, not bad. I can do better. Uh, and he actually created a, a handheld gamma bomb, you know, I- ideal for easy transportation, the villain on the go. 
Um, but that <laughs> that was stolen from him by by the the CEO of Richmond Enterprises, and it was when when he was trying to break into his own lab and recover his own creation, made you know his own effort on his own time. That was when he tripped the alarms and uh, and was arrested, finding himself in prison. So yeah, um, you know, a tragic fall for a noble guy. Can't even have his own stuff. No, not at all. It's totally. It doesn't matter if you thought of it. it belongs to the company now. Um, and yeah, whilst he's in prison, obviously meets meets the wrecking crew, falls in with them, gets the the magic power, and he, you know he he's the one who ensures that when they break out, they're not just super powered thugs on a series of pointless heists. He he's the one who directs them. He says, right, I know the Richmond Enterprises have buried my bomb in the foundations of one of these three buildings. So we're going to take down these buildings. Once we've got this gamma bomb, we can hold the whole in New hold in New York the ransom. Unfortunately, on that occasion, um, the Hulk turns up midway through the fight, and you know that that is enough to to take him down for a while. But he's you know he, he's not a man to be kept down. Um, you know he's he's worked with others outside of the the Wrecking Crew. Um, he he teamed up with Midnight and Ms. Midnight for a while, basically using tech versions of of the ball and chain that he's he's known for within the Wrecking Crew. And the the three of them went up against Spider Man, Punisher, Moon Knight, and a few others. And I think, you know, important skill for a villain, he spotted when his, uh, his comrades were about to turn on him. He was he was the only one uh, of the villains to actually survive that encounter. Uh, Midnight and Ms. Midnight both both left dead at the end. I mean, how oh. long they stayed dead, I couldn't say. You know, it's it's a comic book. They'll probably find a fortnight later, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, you know, kind of a testament to uh, to, to Franklin's uh, you know, strength, combat prowess, he actually killed Hogan of the Warriors 3 during a scuffle with uh, with Thor and some other Asgardians, you know he's he's put Iron Man out of the fight for a while. But I think you know beyond just you know big tough guy, the fact that he's you know he's he's the one with the tactical brain. You know he he's the one who goes yeah we're we're a bit out of our depth here. There was a time when the Wrecking Crew were hired by the Doomsday Man uh, to kidnap Captain Marvel. You know Thunderbolt's the one saying guys like don't don't irritate this guy needlessly because he's going to crush us. Unfortunately, they, they did irritate the Doomsday Man because it turned out he wanted Carol, Carol Danvers, but she was calling herself Warbird at the time, so they abducted Monica Rambeau. It's like, well, this is this is Captain Marvel. You, you didn't say which one you wanted. <laughs> um, weirdly, that that mistake actually worked out pretty well for the the Wrecking Crew because uh, a mad scientist they met up with was able to stick Monica Rambeau in a sort of force field for them, so they could all use her as a battery. So, kind of all all your standard Wrecking Crew skills massively powered up uh, and they actually took over an entire planet uh planet belonging to a guy called archon but yeah they had a had a good thing going for a while and then thor turned up turned up did some kind of sneaky lightning trick and uh, and took them all out which was so they're the sovereign rulers of a planet and thor just comes and ruins it for him yeah absolutely he uh, uh yeah broke broke down the force field that was holding uh holding captain marvel suddenly they got no battery for their powers again uh, but yeah that's that's kind of most of him. I think Thunderball probably has, you know, more interesting relationships within the the crew than some of the others. So, you know, Thunderball and, and Wrecker they crash a lot because, let's face it, Thunderball knows he's just smarter than the others, and he kind of resents having to depend on the guy who lucked into getting a magic crowbar because the Norn Queen wasn't paying attention. Uh, but ultimately, you know, he's smart enough to to know which side his bread's buttered. If he doesn't stick with the crew, <laughs> he's not got magic powers. So yeah, he yeah. Uh, he he never pushes him too far. 
Now, issue fifteen, seventeen. What what year was that? Do you have any idea, James? Ooh, I do not off the top of my head. I should really I have think looked. it was seventy four, somewhere around that. that okay, the seventies. Right. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds right based on the art. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's a defenders lineup. So start of the the issue, you've got. Doctor Strange, Nighthawk, Valkyrie, and Hulk as your defenders lineup. So yeah, you kind of have classic seventies defenders. You know, way before Netflix got hold of them and replaced him with Daredevil and Luke Cage, anyone like that. Okay, that's a pretty interesting uh, backstory. I like that he's not just some brute, right? Uh, yeah, and sounds yeah, like he, he was a, a force to be reckoned with just before becoming part of the Wrecking Crew. Even you know, if you're building gamma bombs. Uh, that's no small task. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think how easily he gets captured trying to break into his own lab, you know, probably suggests that he didn't have, you know, maybe, maybe the street smarts of a of a career criminal. He's just kind of a bit, you know, a bit naive, assuming that well, it's just a lab. I just walk in every day. But yeah, like like many scientific geniuses, uh, you know, some of the practicalities may get may get lost in the details. Yeah, I'm I'm a little confused about the utility of making a gamma bomb handheld. I mean, presumably you kind of stick it down, <laughs> press the button, and run away. <laughs> it's for easy portable. Uh, yeah, like he, like uh, James said, the villain on the go. Right. I like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can put it in your purse or your briefcase and take it with you, like a suitcase nuke. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly sure at the end of that arc, actually, they discover that it isn't in the foundations, and and has in fact got stuck inside a baseball that's been picked up by some kid that Luke Cage knows. <laughs> they then all have to charge down the street and stop these kids from playing baseball with the gamma bomb, lest they level half of Harlem. Uh, they hit a bomb in a baseball. Apparently so. All right. And Pretty it's, villainous. Uh, it's it's <laughs> not the weirdest thing that Marvel's ever done. It's certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, why don't you tell us all about this iconic character's cards? You can read a villain sure. side A and B. Sure. So Thunderball A is a villain. He's got three scheme, one attack. Uh, he's a wrecking crew. Uh, he's got a forced effect when he schemes, place the threat on his side scheme instead of the main scheme, and a force response. After he attacks you, deal one damage to each character you control. Uh, Thunderball B is... Ex- oh, sorry, and he's got 13 hit points. Uh, Thunderbolt B is exactly the same, uh, except that he's gone up from one attack to two, and he's gone from 13 hit points up to 16. And for me, the first thing that leaps out is is that nice high three scheme. You know, obviously we've talked about his his origin. This guy's a genius scientist. He he takes something that Banner did and improved it. But it's it, it's weird. Kind of the more the comics have gone on, there's 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 kind of less and less attention given to his scientific origin. And I've I've actually found there's some you know, some people who've kind of looked into this in, in depth, and this is a weirdly common thing with, with black supervillains that even if the guy's introduced as a genius, they, you know, they tend to just get kind of simplified down to just big, massively physical black guy, you know, rather than rather than being able to be a genius at the same time. It's it's a bit of a bit of a strange phenomenon in the in the comics in that way. And really unfortunate that it's coming from Marvel because they're usually they're trying to be at the forefront of diversity and civity but obviously they're still not immune right i mean this guy is the he's the token black guy of the group yeah, yeah. i didn't know yeah. much about him prior to this except for um i've been watching the animated earth's mightiest avengers cartoon with my son and the wrecking crew's in that and there is no indication whatsoever in that that he's a scientist a genius or anything he's just another thug with 
with Wrecker and like you said, uh, they're not they don't pay any attention to it in that whatsoever. It's uh, it's unfortunate here. Yeah. And it's all you know, an all too too common arc, I think, for characters throughout you know, our literature, our filmdom, all all that kind of thing. And it's interesting to me that it that it goes backwards like that. You would think you know well, I asked about the year, I'm like, well, in the seventies, you would almost think it would go kind of the other way. Like we think of ourselves as progressive and in a certain sense of storytelling. And this reveals that indeed we're not, right? This is a, a, a character that is indicative of the regressive nature of our kind of narrative in this country and in this way of telling stories. And it's sad. So do we think that Caleb and Michael have, how is this character, do you think, the game's character, how does it do in terms of that storytelling? I mean, physically he's large and stuff, but the scheme three, right? Like, are, are they trying to attend to that and repair something or is he just another wrecking crew? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I th- I think we've struck a good balance because obviously Caleb and Michael have, have got to look at you know, 40 years worth of comics, not just that one origin story. So I think, you know, that they're, they're acknowledging it by making him a character who's primarily scheming. But at the same time, you know, most of his you know, most of his impact on the game, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, damaging multiple characters, stunning multiple characters. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because a lot of the time when he turns up, he's just swinging a great big ball and chain around. And that's, you know, they've got to be faithful to that as well as faithful to the origin story. So, yeah, I, th- I think they've done a, you know, done a decent job thematically. It looks like the like the names of his cards kind of harken back to his old uh, physicist days. We'll yeah, get to those. We will get tactical prowess. So, th- and that's the only one where in the set that's you know references some sort of tactics at least. So there's a, there's a little bit there that you know obviously has some smarts to him too. I, I was I was wondering if the uh, what you read about black supervillain sort of re- regressing here in, in their story does that apply to the heroes as well? Do we see them doing that to heroes of color as well, or just the villains? Um, I th- so I think the the feeling was that it that it happens to an extent. Um, I mean, again, you know, one of the things the writer talked about is that you know companies like Marvel they're they're often very keen to you know develop you know introduce new black heroes, take black heroes who haven't been you know really given a a fair you know fair chance to tell a proper story and, and develop them but there's there's almost this sort of weird reluctance to develop new black villains because what does it say if we've got a new villain and he's black you know unless we're in wakanda so you know there's there's almost this sort of on on the creatives part you know it's it, it it's great to have more heroes from from underrepresented groups but bringing in villains from underrepresented groups yeah it's almost like they're afraid of saying these groups are villains so I think yeah, right. definitely heroes have suffered from it, but then they bring on other heroes and develop them more, and so it's it, it's a much less you know mono, uh, you know much less homogenous picture. It's too bad because we all know the villains are the better ones, anyways. So of course, and you know you can I don't know you can play with story. I feel so much more interestingly and broadly with with villain backgrounds. You know, like. When we do these origin stories, we're we're always a lot happier with the villains who are complicated and interesting and compelling and like you have that opportunity and sometimes heroes are just so hero-y, right? Like, right. <laughs> like a, a good guy gone bad is a more interesting story than the good guy who stayed a good guy. And I, yeah, I, I don't know. And so I, I get what you're saying, James, about sort of the reticence to 
to vilify underrepresented groups or to to villainize or whatever the word would be for that and you know that that makes sense too you know i was thinking right in the the beginning of your story when you were talking about like the good guys who are fighting luke cage because he looked suspicious right and it's like right there is sort of this that made me think of the 70s and the nows right and i i don't know but i think it's it's important that we're talking about this oh for sure and there is still an opportunity to to develop them right one of marvel likes going back you know, sometimes even 20, 30 years later to develop a character. So there's certainly still time. They're not going to reboot the character. They never really do that, but they do somewhat reimagine. Yeah, we'll get a flashback or something along those lines. Yeah, like yep. they don't have to be just just the villain. I mean, lately, well, we saw it with Absorbing Man, right? They they try to humanize the villains now. They're trying to make them more than a beat stick. I'm, I'm trying to find words, but I also haven't finished my coffee. <laughs> yeah. Priorities. Well, well, maybe we should go to his uh, his side scheme. Take it away, Daniel. Yeah, I've been doing these, haven't I? All right, Thunderball's side scheme is called Thunderstruck. Card cannot leave play while Thunderball is in play. Gamma Blast. After threat is placed here, if there's ten or more, stun each friendly character. Remove all but three, and it starts with five. Hmm. It's, it's pretty good if it goes off. I, I think. Yeah, he has a scheme of three. And this isn't the lowest, right? This is the second, right? The second, second yeah. highest. Yeah. Nice, yeah, yeah. So it starts with five. At first fill-in phase, it goes up to six. He schemes. If he schemes, he's adding three. You're at nine, and if you draw a boost icon, ten. Off it goes. So yeah. you really don't want him to scheme round one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like this. The impact of this really depends on what kind of game you're playing. If you're playing leadership, this is going to really, really hurt. But if you're playing more of the, the beefed-up solo hero, meh. Now, thematically, why why is his thing all about stunning? Is it from the ball and chain? Is it, like, what, is that it? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the ability is named Gamma Blast, but the art is pretty clearly just <laughs> a guy spinning swinging as a ball and chain around in a big circle. Well, he's got a, it's a magic ball and chain, right? Which means he can do anything. <laughs> Let's say it's got, it's got <laughs> physics power. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, uh, yeah, I wonder if the stun represents some of that tactical knowledge too, right? Like he takes you out of the match or he outwits you a little bit there. So you kind of oh, have yeah. like kind of have like three things going on. You have the theme of the gamma blast, which you know he makes a bomb. He likes his ball and chain, so there's a, the art. But then he's also supposed to be smart enough to maneuver around people, so he's kind of taking you out with a stun. Well, then he should confuse us, not stun us, right? Yeah, I mean, I think either way takes you out, just in, in which manner. I think stun seems a little more tactical. I guess. Yeah, sure. Although it's like, I'm stunned because I got hit in the face, right? I'm confused because I got outwitted. I, I don't know. No, I, but, um, I don't. but I will say, he's the one I try to not have be the active villain more than the others. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I don't like his effect going off i don't like <laughs> no I'm, I'm not a fan of what he can do um well i am but i when i'm a when i'm you know a hero i i don't don't like his effect yeah because what we didn't talk about was his force response on his hero card because he attacks you and then he deals one damage to each character you control oh that's right so that's if you have really nasty if you're on a lot of allies so he's yeah. crowd control he's taken off tough yeah, it gets really tough. I was thinking, you know, if you've got something like a, a Voltron Black Cat deck in Spider-Man and you, you've got it set up, you're just planning on attacking for the whole game with Black Cat. Thunderbolt is like, nope. Yeah. Attack twice, she's gone. Yeah. 
right, Thunderball's ball and chain. It is a unique attachment, not to be confused with Absorbing Man's ball and chain. It is a weapon. It attaches a Thunderball. It gets him a plus one attack with the forced response. After Thunderball attacks, place one threat on the main scheme. And it has a hero action. Exhaust your hero and discard one card at random from your hand to discard this card. And has three boost icons. It's one of the only ways to add threat to the main scheme to speed it up other than an acceleration token. So that's pretty good. It's pretty good for him. Okay, so we're seeing the smarts come through here. Mm-hmm. Uh, discard one card at random. Great effect. Yep, one yep. that you, it's going to hurt to get rid of. Yeah, random, random is nice. It makes it a lot harder for the player to just go, oh, yeah, I've got a you know, second copy of Unique. Uh, well, not Unique, like second Helicarry. I'll just ditch that. Fine. You know, this could be a dead card or it could be the key thing you're planning on playing this turn. Yeah. Yeah, the heroes have to really set their hand up like with only one left in it or whatever. I like that you have to exhaust two. It's, that prevents an attack or a thwart. Oh, you do. And if you're stunned already, and then what you're exhausting to remove the ball and chain, you're still stunned the next turn. So I think it can kind of snowball there. And I think because, unless you're playing solo, threat on the main scheme and Wrecking Crew is a bit. Anyway, so I think you, you you might be tempted to just leave it there, and then it just starts to rack up. That plus one attack boost go, ongoing can rack up. So it's it's nicely positioned where it's sort of mild enough that you're not, yeah, I definitely just need to get rid of this, and it's nasty enough that you might regret leaving it there too long. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think it's a good attachment for him. Yep. Mike, take the science. You have the more science-y voice. Right. The- <laughs> Energy projectiles. <laughs> it's a treachery. When revealed, deal one damage to each friendly character you control. It's got a special boost. Deal one damage to the defending character. Boost is kind of weak, but oh boy, do I love that one revealed effect. Hey, does, is this analogous to like in Lord of the Rings, a shadow effect that if the damage kills the defender, it's undefended? I guess when does the boost go off? The boost is when revealed. You flip the boost over, you do the boost. All right. So, oh, so yes. Yeah. So then, all right. So Squirrel Girl doesn't count as defending you anymore. I see. Good. I think so, right? It would make sense to me. It's consistent with FFG. It definitely is going to knock off if you're like, oh, I'm just going to block because I have tough. Or I'm not going to block because I have tough. This comes up, pings your tough off, and then wham, you, right. take, the, you take all the damage. And then since, since it is Thunderball, he's going to do more damage. <laughs> after the yeah. So if, if you're not defending the attack... Would this damage your hero, or would it, or would the boost just whiff at that point? I think it just whiffs, right? Because it says defending character. I believe it's going to de- damage the... I think it's going to damage the hero. I think there's this no is defending character, right? Worded poorly, but you can play a defense card even if you don't defend if you're the target of the attack, right? I think there's some... Oh, that's old, true. Old, I think there's some old wording on here. Okay. All right. Yeah, you can still shield block while standing up and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, because I think that. I think okay. the hero becomes the target of the attack even if you choose not to defend. Yeah, I see defending character. Yeah, yeah, I, that's worded a little oddly. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll have to do a little little checking, I guess. Something to research. All right. Well, let's hear about this lightning blast, James. Sure. So lightning blast is a treachery. There's two copies of them in there. When revealed, alter ego, place three threat on the side scheme of the most threat. When revealed, hero. Thunderball attacks you. If the t- this attack is undefended, place three on Thunderball's side scheme. And it has Oof. two boost icons. Yeah. So yeah, that's that, that can potentially get, get pretty nasty. And you know, if you've already defended the attack, 
particularly if you've not got many allies out because the AoE damage is doing. That's potentially you know another hit for two or three plus three threat on his side scheme. That that could get nasty. Yeah, this is solid. Now it is great. Haven't the other ones that like when you're revealed an alter ego put scheme or done something to the to the side scheme with the least threat? I believe so. Yeah, because this one is this one's a, a kick in the teeth because it's the most. It's gonna it's probably gonna send something to ten. Has has a shot at it. Yeah, and and I I like that. And if this thing pops up, well, it's it's going to pop up after the villain activates. So either you've already defended with your hero, or you certainly yep. don't want to defend with your hero. So that one revealed in hero form, just it hurts you no matter what. It's likely going to be undefended, or it's going to ruin your plans for the turn. Place three threat on Thunderball side scheme. I love that effect. Really gets you thinking. Yeah, three's not insignificant when ten's the max. All right. Can I do radioactive buildup? Fine, even though it's my turn. I will yield. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> oh, radioactive buildup is an attachment. It's a condition attachment attached to Thunderball. Excess damage dealt by Thunderball is placed as threat on his corresponding side scheme. Interesting that they reference his corresponding side scheme as opposed to the name, perhaps future proofing. Mm. It has a forced response after Thunderball attacks, discard this card. Oh, but it gives him plus three attack. And it has three boost icons. So there you go. It is yet another reference to the fact that you could swirl a ball and chain around to create radioactive particles. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see Thunderball square off against Absorbing Man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm just imagining the situation in two-player where you've defended... First player draws radioactive build up, and the next player draws lightning blast, and he then does an undefended attack for <laughs> like nine threat or something horrific like that. Yeah. <laughs> even if it's defended, even if it's defended, excess damage goes on his side scheme. I don't think you're taking all that. Oof. And it sucks that it discards right away, but it has three boost icons, so at least it's doing something in the deck. Because I believe. Yeah. This is the only non-weapon attachment in all of Wrecking Crew that has three boost icons. Yeah, we haven't seen too many cards with the three other than the attachments, you're right. His his deck seems to have more boost icons just in general than any of the other ones, right? Looking like it. Seems yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, let's take a look at his last card, Tactical Prowess. We talked about this as another one indicative of his, of his smarts. Tactical Prowess, Treachery, when revealed, move all threat from the side scheme with the least threat to the side scheme with the most threat. And if that scheme's forced response is not triggered this way, this card gains surge. Two boost. Two boost icons. I like it. And again, it's like ramping up the one with the most again. I think that is fantastic. Yeah, it throws you off your count of where you're like, oh, well, I don't want a record to go off this time, or I don't want such and such, and then it just it shuffles things around on you. Yep. I certainly know, you know often if I'm playing Wrecking Crew, I'm concentrating on who's got the most and maybe who's got the second most. And I'm not really thinking about the other ones. So you right. know, the fact that he can suddenly, you know, maybe you're up on round sort of seven or eight and you've been ignoring this one that's got five on and suddenly, yeah, just you've now got now got that one going off out of nowhere. Yeah, or if it doesn't go off, boom, surge. Boom. So, so yeah, yeah, this is exhibit six why I don't like Thunderball to be the active villain. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a... a, a a quick question about the character. I, I forgot to bring it up before. In the, in the 70s, when they introduced him, 
did he have a more like scientist build or has he always been a big guy i, I think the art for this one he does look particularly enormous um, <laughs> yeah I, I think i think he was he was always a pretty big guy okay i mean no offense to scientists but they have a particular you know body type that's not this generally speaking <laughs> the ones who aren't infused with gamma magical gamma radiation from like sure. uh, crowbar struck by lightning. Yeah, they don't usually. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, Most ball and chains don't have that crackling energy around them either. So. <laughs> it's true. Sure. Well, I take back what I said before. I I actually do like what FFG did too in terms of tactical prowess. That's a good disruptive set of cards. Yeah, I like what they did with them. Are we supposed to pick sides or anything? Because I think this is the best of the villains. Am I supposed to say that, Steve? That's okay. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I want to say it before the, all the other ones come back, and I get and I get yelled at. Yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't say it in front of the other three, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, still not the one I go after first, but perhaps the one I'm most scared of. Yep. Definitely the set of cards I like the best. Yeah, they've got stuff going on for them that uh, makes it an interesting game. James, I'll tell you right now that. I think you win, but when we all get together, I might not say that out of fear. Okay? <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> Sounds fair. All right, Mike. How do the fine folks out there get a hold of us? Hi, we are Critical Encounters. Hey, have you become sovereign ruler of a planet? Because we would really love to know how you did that. Perhaps in the next two weeks or so, because I'm not sure I want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> Email us, criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook as Critical Encounters. You can find us on Discord as Vardane, Big Foam Loaf, Wandering Toque, and Mighty Jim. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Thunderball, take us out. Excuse me, but while you guys are haggling over the politics of your little boys club, does anyone remember we might have a whole gaggle of super guys on their way here? And I was pretty sure that was going to happen. Another tremendous number. We're going to have an accurate number over the next two days with, for you with certified accountants. But an accurate number will be given, but it's in the 50s of thousands. And that's people that went to vote for Kang. And they were told they can't vote because they've already been voted for. And it's a very sad thing. They walked out complaining. But that number is huge. <laughs>